0: Obviously, the coronavirus is dominating all news cycles right now. And is the majority of what journalists are covering, we thought it would just be super helpful to have a one-stop resource with a bunch of information of how journalists can build trust and demonstrate credibility while reporting this global pandemic, which is something a lot of us haven't done before.
1: The coronavirus may be the biggest story any of us will ever have the chance to cover. It affects all aspects of society, from government to business, health care, public safety, right down to families in their homes. I'm Michael O'Connell. This is It's All Journalism. Molly Muchna is a digital engagement editor at the Arizona Daily Star and a project assistant with Trusting News. It was for Trusting News that Molly wrote a very timely article about how newsrooms can demonstrate trustworthiness in their coverage of the coronavirus. Welcome to the podcast, Molly.
0: Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me.
1: So, you know, I, I can attest for how journalists are sort of struggling with covering the coronavirus while balancing their lives. Uh, I've written about, I don't know, uh, more than 30 stories in the last couple of weeks about the coronavirus. So what inspired you to write this story?
0: Well, the idea for this specific post actually came from Joy Mayer, who's the director of Trusting News. But the Trusting News team as a whole puts out a weekly newsletter that's essentially one practical tip that journalists can take to use to build trust with their audience and their work. And so since obviously the coronavirus is dominating... All news cycles right now and is the majority of what journalists are covering, we thought it would just be super helpful to have a one-stop resource with a bunch of information of how journalists can build trust and demonstrate credibility while reporting this global pandemic, which is something a lot of us haven't done before.
1: yeah, that's for sure so what what makes covering the coronavirus an opportunity for restoring trust?
0: I mean it's a story that the whole like the entire world is tuned into right now. So people are consuming news at a much higher rate and relying on journalism more and looking for information from news organizations because it's really central to their personal well-being. And so the need for journalism right now is really tangible. And so that's what I think presents a really good opportunity for journalists to use this opportunity to communicate the commitment to their community and the commitment to provide accurate, factual, up-to-date information and remind folks that we're doing this and doing this reporting for their physical health and for the overall health of the community.
1: Have you had an opportunity to see how newsrooms are covering coronavirus?
0: So, I mean, as you know, everyone's covering this and figuring out the best way to cover it. And there's been a lot of incredible journalism being produced. I think everyone at the Trusty news team has been really heartened to see how newsrooms are really taking this opportunity to to share their mission and their goals with their audience. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen from a lot of different newsrooms kind of explaining that with their coverage, what they're trying to do is to not alarm the public or panic them, um, but to help them. And that's been great to see. It's also been great to see the breadth of the reporting that's happening. You know, beyond just the, the case tracking and kind of constantly keeping the ticker updated. There's been such incredible reporting on the economic and business impacts, um, how that impacts schools. And it's been really cool to see some newsrooms. Like I th- I think I just was seeing an example from the Virginia Pilot this morning about kind of creating like Facebook groups and different community organizing so that people can share resources and help one another, which is really great to see.
1: You talk about a lot of things that are the journalists doing well in their coverage of the coronavirus. Are there things that are types of stories that maybe don't serve the public well, you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's easy for journalists when there's such a huge breaking news situation that comes and kind of seems like it comes at a rapid fire pace and hard to keep up with it. I think it's really easy to get swept up in all the updates and trying to chase every single lead. And so I think it's really good to remember that more isn't always better when the news is so overwhelming. You know, for many news outlets offering all the coverage of every single breaking news alert doesn't necessarily make people feel safe or informed. It can just make them feel super overwhelmed. So I think anything journalists can do to break down the news, like whether that's a newsletter or a landing page that tells people just kind of what they need to know to get up to speed can be a really great solution. There's been lots of newsrooms and I'd say the majority of newsrooms have been creating some sort of article that has short daily updates to kind of help keep people up to date with what's happening every single day, but isn't too overwhelming and doesn't expect them to read, you know, 15 to 20 to 30 stories a day that your organization is maybe writing about this because that's just unrealistic. So anything to make it in a more bite-sized piece, I think really helps. And yeah, I think it's just important to keep tabs on how your audience and community seems to be feeling and what would be most helpful for them. Obviously, just chasing every single lead can be exhausting and make your coverage feel like it's a little bit all over the place. So I think, you know, obviously it's best when news organizations can kind of develop an internal plan and goals um, with their coverage that's centralized around their specific community. And then it's also really important, you know, to share that with the community and let them know, and then have that kind of be your guidepost as you might go forward.
1: One of the things we were talking about um, trustworthiness is sort of explaining who we are and why we're covering the stories in a particular way where does transparency fit into sort of the newsroom's approach to covering coronavirus?
0: I mean, I think transparency is essential. Uh, we as journalists, I mean, we talk about this a lot at Trusting News, but journalists really often forget that our internal processes and conversations aren't clear to the public. You know, the public isn't there for our morning news meetings. They're not there for the you know conversations that we often have, like huddled around an editor's desk talking about, should we cover this? Is it ethical? Is it not? A lot of times the public doesn't see that and doesn't understand that. And so they're not giving us credit for giving the thought behind that and that work. And so really anything that you can do to explain that process or and kind of pull back the curtain and show what you're doing to build transparency and dedicate resources and explain how you verify information when facts and updates are changing so quickly are all, all super important.
1: You know, one of the things I heard a lot and sort of the, sort of the buildup of the coronavirus story over the last few weeks Is in the early days, I mean, there were a lot of people who were saying that the the press was sort of misrepresenting the story, that they were sort of, you know, trying to create panic, that they were trying to, I don't know, influence people in a particular way. They had some sort of nefarious political agenda, that the coronavirus wasn't as big as they said it was. And now I think we've all kind of come, one would hope that we've sort of come to an understanding that it's something different and it's something real that, that people need to take seriously, You know, how can newsrooms kind of change this perception from their audience?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think you're right in that we've seen as the seriousness of the matter has kind of settled in this week a little bit, a little bit less of those complaints. But I think it's important to remember that there are some newsrooms that are doing this that, you know, possibly are exaggerating and sensationalizing or stoking fear. So it's really important if your news organization is not trying to do this to tell your audience that and tell them how you're doing that. And a great way to do that is to address some specific complaints or questions that your audience might have. And so maybe, you know, look through your Facebook page or Twitter or whatever your normal feedback loops look like and gather a lot of those questions or more likely complaints and address them on those platforms. But also it could be a really good opportunity to maybe compile some sort of FAQ that you could publish on the website and then continue to link back to.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that in general, people have sort of gotten to a place where They understand sort of the the gravity and the seriousness of the situation. But I also sort of feel, you know, now that we've been covering it and we've been covering the government's response to it over the last few weeks, we're kind of at at a point where for us as journalists, our approach needs to shift a little bit. And I think you kind of touched on some of that, you know, how we communicate with our audience and how we listen to our audience because they're coming to us because they want to get the latest updates and everything. But they also, I mean, there's a lot of new situations emerging, you know, Local people forming support groups or Facebook groups to share information and whatnot. How do you think journalists, newsrooms should sort of move forward and, and sort of embrace this dialogue, I guess?
0: Yeah, no, I think it's so necessary right now. I mean, it always is necessary to be investing in that relationship with your audience, but I think especially now in this time of crisis when people are feeling really scared and confused and looking for information, again, like any sort of existing feedback loops that your organization has is a great place to reach out to your audience, you know, social media is great, natural place to have those conversations. But I think it's just important to, to ask your followers or your audience how they're feeling and ask what questions they might have and and what it is as you as a news organization or a journalist can do to help them and really open up that dialogue and know that and let them know that you're, you're open to talking with them and open to taking suggestions and story ideas. One really key thing I think is important to moderate comments on your platform and delete and correct misinformation and address possible like misassumptions that people have. I think, you know, if someone goes on a Facebook page and they just see an onslaught of negative comments or, you know, accusations of quote unquote fake news, a lot of times that's not a super inviting environment for people to want to jump in and be a part of that conversation. And so. Letting people know that you're there, you're moderating comments, you're trying to host productive community conversations and are really looking to hear their experience and their questions and what's going on with them, I think is really important. And I think, too, like we've seen some newsrooms do this already, like NBC, I think it was their social media team did this on Twitter, which was really great. But there's it's great time to remind audience that you know you're a human too as a journalist and um, you're going through this too and you're experiencing this and you're worried about your family and you're worried about your health and a lot of us in the journalism business are worried about our jobs right now as we see ads being pulled from from papers and so i think it's just important if you can to remind your community that you live and play and work in the same community and so you know you're just as invested in this story as they are and so Kind of sounds cheesy, but reminding them that we're really all in this together.
1: Yeah. And I think that's really kind of important. I've, you know, in the last couple of weeks, uh, last week in particular, you know, having a dialogue in social media and in the comments on our website, you know, about how people are occupying themselves and they find that they're, you know, stuck at home or, you know, early on when there were all this sort of concern about, you know, not being able to get, you know, toilet paper or water, milk or whatever at the. Or soap at the supermarket, and people just sort of sharing their experiences of you know the supermarkets in their neighborhood, you know who has what and, and everything. The food chain in the United States, the distribution chain is not is not broken. The shelves don't have any toilet paper this week, but you know they're going to fill up very quickly. It's so there's no need to necessarily create panic. So it's kind of a fine line that you you sort of walk and sharing this information, but but also you're sort of tempering it with this understanding that we're in a crisis situation but we're not in a terrible situation you know there are a lot of things that that we're going to have to endure but there are mechanisms in place that are still continuing and i think that's kind of part of what our job is this important you, you kind of touched on this and i don't want i don't want to dwell too much on it i mean but you know journalists are human beings and and we're having to deal with this as well what do you say to a journalist who they use the internet and they use their phone a lot for their jobs, but they're used to going out and, you know, having face to faces with people and they may not be able to do that. So, you know, how do you put yourself in that headspace so that you can function in a different way?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's been a huge adjustment for a lot of newsrooms this week. And I mean, especially the one that I work in 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 Arizona that that it's a new way of functioning for us. And so, you know, although journalists often do reporting and, and, crowdsourcing information on social media and over the phone i think it's just a whole new place to be in and so again you know like I, there's been some great examples that we have on the trusting news site of tv stations who have done this who have just said that you know like we're, we're shifting to where we have never been a completely remote operation and now we are and these are the things that we're doing to try to keep our journalists safe um and here's how we're working to do that and they're and just admitting that there's some unknowns to that but that we're like Trying to figure that out and, and working through those, I think, is is really helpful in building that transparency and, again, demonstrating that trustworthiness. And
1: Well, if you don't want me asking, what's your situation? Are you working from home?
0: Our whole newsroom is, almost entire newsroom is working from home. And I actually um, was in the really privileged spot to already work mostly remotely. So I was already pretty set up to be working from home. But yeah, no, it is, it is interesting. I think a lot of, you know we're figuring out different ways. Um, I've probably seen like so many articles being shared this week on Medium or on Slack of like how to be effective when working from home and how to have team meetings. But, you know, I think we're figuring that out with our newsroom still, you know, having some like after work video happy hours together and uh, a lot of communication on Slack, a lot of phone calls when you can do it. And so I think just trying to stay connected and keep that vibrancy, you know, being in a news room or like a news operation is is such a specific feel and there's there's energy there and it's just so easy to communicate when you're all in the same space and so trying to create some of that camaraderie and feeling of support even though you know we're not in the same place right now
1: my day job is i'm I'm a field editor for patch and you know 99 of my my working is working at my house working on my phone working on the internet And I do go out occasionally, but mostly, you know, I'm all kind of set up for, you know, calling people, emailing people, you know, doing interviews remotely. So for me, that wasn't so much of a a shift. The same time, you know, some of the things that you sort of mentioned, I mean, we use Slack a lot and we've, we've created sort of these channels in Slack where uh, people can kind of hang out and they can sort of talk, swap experiences, post pictures. They had a a parent's page in Slack where our channel in Mm. Slack where people posted photos and they talked about their, you know, having their kids at home and having to, you know, (laughs) school them. So that's fun.
0: (laughs) It's interesting to see the innovative ways that people are figuring out to connect and keep that support and just being checking in. And and I mean, it's been, again, like really heartening for me and my newsroom just to be like, I get so many calls every day from people just being like, Are you good? And just wanting to check in and making sure, you know, even just talking with the coworker the other night, like she was like, Do you have enough toilet paper? I was like, I'm good, thank you. So it's it's nice to have those um support systems built.
1: Covering a big story, you know, we all have this sort of instinct that we just want to just like push and push and push. But this is a this is a big story that's gonna go on a really long time. And uh, you know, mm. I don't think all of us have that that experience of covering such a big story that's gonna to, gonna to run for so long. And just knowing when to stop and to self-care, taking time away so you can read a book or you can be with your family or go for a walk or play with your dog or whatever, I think is so important just for your mental state, because oh, there's always going to always going to be new information. There's going to be another new story tomorrow or tonight or that you may miss but that you're going to have to do a follow-up on, but you just kind of carve out time for yourself. I think it's for everybody who works at, works out of their home in this situation. One of the things I thought was funny was a couple of days after our central office, they, they work, they work in an office and they had, you know, ordered everybody to work from home. And, and we started having these sort of group calls, the call line that they use the free call line was like being super wonky. And it was probably because (laughs) there are thousands or maybe millions of people Mm -hmm. trying to work from home using the same free communication system and taxing it. So I think we're going to be, that's the other thing is, you know, overall, we're going to be relying heavily on our technology and looking for ways to uh, to work with that effectively is going to be a challenge.
0: Yeah, I'm super curious, even beyond just in the journalism world, but how this is going to affect remote work and change that culture. You know, I think a lot of businesses are seeing a lot of, you know, weren't set up for this and so seeing challenges, but also I, there's a lot of businesses and organizations that I think are realizing that you can do a lot more remote work than before. So I'm curious to see how that culture shifts, but I'm really
1: curious to see what's going to happen when this is over, how businesses any, you know, not just newsrooms, but all businesses are going to be looking at telework from now on. I worked at uh, federal news radio covering the federal government for several years and under the Obama administration, there was this kind of huge push to get every agency in the Washington DC area to, you know, have a, a good chunk of its, of its workforce, either teleworking or telework ready just for national security purposes. If something happened in DC that people couldn't go down there, oh, I don't know, like a coronavirus, the, the functions of the government could continue with people working at home. And so they'd sort of reached a certain level of that. But in recent years, there was sort of a less interest in, in embracing telework. But I think this is going to reveal a lot of strengths and weaknesses about telework. Um, mm-hmm. And hopefully maybe we'll see some better technologies, better support systems that, that'll make it easier because I saw something a week or so ago that was it the uh, European Space Agency had said that the air pollution in Italy had gone down significantly since everybody was stuck at home. so seeing things that just like that could uh, have a huge impact on other things like the like the environment. so what would you say to a journalist? right now who's covering this big story, the coronavirus, what what would you say to them?
0: I would just, you know, say thanks, first of all. You know, I I am a journalist in this time and I'm doing some work with it, but I am very much removed from the day-to-day churning of stories. And I am just incredibly thankful to them. And and I would say, you know, keep up the good work and and, um, be heartened by knowing that so many people are relying on their work right now. And, And people who, you know, previously probably didn't even see your coverage or, you know, Give a lot of thought, um, might end up being supporters of you just based on the, the work that you're producing and the information you're providing and how you're helping the community. And so I think to be, be heartened by that. And yeah, remember what, what a community, incredible community service that you're providing right now. I think so many journalists get into this business because they, they care about the health of their communities and they, they care about giving back. And so I think just knowing that, you know, this is the ultimate time that, that we're doing this and, and really, um, it's, it's just so important. So I think I would say thanks and keep up the good work. Good luck.
1: Yeah, I agree. Thanks and keep up the good work. Molly, thanks for coming on the podcast.
0: Yeah, thanks so much, Michael. I really appreciate it.
1: You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, why not sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter? you get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. Amelia Brust helped with our booking. Nicholas Hunter provided a web assist. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell.